idea for all this really came from a dream? Yes, it did. Good evening and welcome to Knox Mente. Tonight's guest is Michael Deacon. Michael has had a number of unusual, unexplained events that have occurred in his life. A natural skeptic, he often finds himself at odds with his own experiences. Now the cryptic symbolism in his strange experiences has begun to slowly decode itself before his eyes. He's also the creator and host of the Michael Deacon program. Michael, welcome to the show. Hello, how are you? I'm doing well. Hello, Very Michael. <laughs> Howdy. <laughs> so <laughs> this is this is hilarious. So I think we've already got maybe some haters. That's okay. <laughs> how many? How many is some? <laughs> I don't know. But um anyone that knows Michael Deacon knows that Michael doesn't care. And so that's great. It's a great honor to have you on Nox Mente, Michael. You know, I've, I know you don't do these shows very often, so I'm thrilled that you have decided to say yes to, to it and are here. Yes. Hello to both of you out there. And of course, to those listening at home. And of course, thank you for giving me this opportunity to hang out with both of you uh, this evening. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Yes, yes, yes. And of course, I must be honest, I don't do interviews at all. I try to be somewhat mysterious and exclusive, but the planets have aligned. Yes, yes, they have. And it's Mercury retrograde, nonetheless. Gatorade. (laughs) I'm excited. I'm glad I'm here. And I'm glad both of you are here. And of course, everyone that is happy and angry that I'm here. (laughs) <laughs> well, I don't know who. I'm just sure. I'm just sure, you know, because I moderate on your channel, and you get a couple haters here and there. And you know, I emails, yeah. It's a. I immediately get a thumbs down on like basically everything I do. There's yeah. somebody out there. Yeah, we got one already too. So it's all good. Some people hate <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <It's> okay. <laughs> With that, Michael, that's my thumbs down. So don't take my glory. I, I even thumbs down this show tonight. Actually, I was going to say, most of the time I give the show a thumb down too. No worries. Hey, it's interaction, right? Of course. Indeed. So let's, let's get on with this. Um, all right. So here we are. So thrilled you're here. And I want to know, the world wants to know, Michael, about young Michael. And so bring young us Michael. young, very young, your very first like memories in life. What sticks out like pop culture? Uh, you know, did you enjoy nature? That kind of really early stuff. Wow. We're, we're going deep already. I'm, I'm getting at you, baby. I'm getting at you. Already. You're not even um, <laughs> no foreplay. We're going already to third base here. One of the first not- names we thought of for the show was called Balls Deep. So yeah, we're going deep. <laughs> you know, I have hard, so many hard and fast. You guys. Hard uh-uh, and fast. Uh-uh. You're in that seat. You're in the other seat, Mr. I Michael. No, it's because I was so curious about you and Jerry. It, Tom and Jerry or me and Jerry? You and Jerry, right. <laughs> well, Jerry lives in the Atlanta area and I live in the Washington area, as you know. Right. But I was always curious, why on earth would you do a show like this? See, look at you. You can't put around, you can't put down your interview 
I never side. can. I know. Isn't that hilarious? We because can uh, we can reserve that discussion for like yeah, don't the worry, second I'll... half of the show. How's that? Yeah, yeah we'll get into that later. You can have us on your show. I've been on your show though. Uh, yes. So what what exactly? Just your earliest memories. So like you know things that pop up that you may have enjoyed in pop culture, like cartoons or uh, movies weird paranormal stuff did you have a relationship with nature just that kind of stuff well i can't say i have or had a relationship with nature but yeah some early memories i do have go way back and when i say way back i mean even going back to like kindergarten and remembering some uh, just weird memories of sitting in a room with a bunch of other kids and sort of not even liking it then. And I still don't like being around kids today. No kids for you, Mr. Deacon? No, I like kids. I just don't like other people's kids. Big difference. <laughs> I feel the same, I, but that's the wolf in me. Did you, were there, were there things like, did you enjoy cartoons or movies or books? Of course, of course. Cat in the Hat. Oh. This Who doesn't classic. love that, right, Jerry? <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Seuss holds a special place in my heart. See what I mean? <laughs> Especially the Goo Goos. I think it's everyone, though. You know, there's like a required set of books that every child must read. Yes. Well, I wonder at this point when Cat in the Hat's on the, on the table to be taken off for whatever reason. You predict you know it's coming. Cancel culture. Really? <laughs> is that your the prediction? The Grinch is too green. I'll tell you what though, um, Jerry and Nish. Yes. I'm predicting the Bible to be next. Ooh. Oh well, they've tried so many times. I think it's gonna happen. Really? It's pretty this racist time, against the Jews, so it's racist against the Jews. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Wow. Well, because they have the first claim on it. By the way, I just want to make something very clear. I'm not a right-wing wacko or a convicted felon. <laughs> Aren't neither, you neither just, are we, so. Yeah. Well, I'm, I just wanted to put it out there, you know, for the record. Yeah. Are you getting accused of either of those lately? No, but I'm thinking there's been plenty of people in the past that I, some that I do know and some that I don't know of that have already tried to cancel the show. You know, they try oh. to, yeah, they've tried to me too me already. Oh, Lord. Yeah, they mm. used clips of me talking about, you know, sexual things, total, totally uh, taken out of context. Yeah, well, that's how it all works, right? Right. But these are individuals who claim to be of a certain sort of philosophy, but that's not exactly the case. They're yes. Hypocrites. Yes. Well, oh. that's the order of the day these days. It's quite sad, but I've had that happen to me so many times. Yeah. I'm used to it, I'm used to it though. That, that happens. You're, you're schooled. You're seasoned. Well, yes. <laughs> so for the record, there has never been any sort of abrasive allegations directed my way. For the record. Oh, okay. Well, now that we've got your record details, um, your record deets, as everyone says, so you didn't have a relationship with nature no. and were you just an indoor kid or what? Of course. 
<laughs> Indoors all the way. Well, you're a Southern Californian. I, you know, I do tend to like being outside, but where I am, the whole slogan for the town that I'm in is called where the sun spends the winter. <laughs> but you don't want to be outside. Not up here. Yeah, you're in the you're in the desert. You're sure. basement dweller here. like I was. Yes, sir, Jerry. You've got that right. We don't like to go out into the big room. We don't. <laughs> Slightly introverted. Right, Jerry? Yes. No, I'm completely the opposite of introverted. Really? Oh, yeah. Although Jerry's tending to be more introverted these days. No, I'm just keeping my mouth shut. Oh, okay. So, Michael, did you... So, were you raised religious at all? To be honest with you, no. I was given sort of free reign in that term. Oh, how fortunate. That's very kind of your parents. The mother was religious, but my father wasn't. And I'm very, very fortunate for that. Yeah, indeed. I think that's a gift, you know, to allow the children to kind of develop that stuff instead of having it... uh, Saddled onto them. Oh, that's just where I stand. No, I'm with you on that one. It's just, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I happen to know you are a self-professed atheist. So I'm wondering how that all set in. Well, I've been experiencing what I like to call a spiritual battle. Some days I believe that there is a creator and some days I don't believe there is such a thing. So I go back and forth. For a long time, I was agnostic. And yeah. I went back to thinking I'm an atheist. Then I realized, you know, I should just say I'm an atheist. That makes much more sense. The, and, you know, for me, I find these titles are also cheap and shallow anyway. I mean, it's all, it's all kind of... I hate to use this word because it's been co-opted, but it is you know, these religious ideas and these ideas about consciousness and uh, origin stories and all that are really kind of fluid. And we move through the experiences we have. And if you're open, you, you kind of allow the experiences to uh, become, become a story that you can entertain and possibly, you know, m- maybe a rabbit hole you can go down but you don't have to commit. Right. One of the labels that I like to go with now is agnostic atheist. Oh, right down the middle. Yeah. You know, just to, even though, again, I don't like labels or titles or being put inside any box, but just to make it easier for those out there who don't really follow along too deeply. If you want want to get a rise out of people, just go with polytheists. That also works. Yeah. <laughs> that also works. Well, you know, aside, aside from the show, uh, Jerry Nish, <laughs> I, I must say, I am a failed musician and I've also considered myself sort of being an out of work comedian. And the show is sort of a way I, I feel that void. Wait, Laura London certainly has wonderful things to say we love her by the way and she certainly um says your your what was her comment it was wickedly wickedly intelligent she was about your humor and i i can't recall it's on my 
Twitter when she realized you were coming on. That's very uh, kind. Oh yeah, she's tops in my book for sure. She, and she's at one of the best shows out there. Um, and she sends sends her regards, by the way. So, which is something fantastic. That's yeah, very kind of her. Yeah, she's she's great. Um, all right, so I'm not done with you, Michael. I'm still here. Okay, good. So back in the early days, so you were left to kind of find your own own way as far as thoughts about theism and all that. Did you have any anything that scared you as a child? You know the typical stuff under the bed, the dark, uh, you know, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why I am open-minded because I have had these weird experiences. Could you share a couple or even one? Sure. Since we are kind of along the lines of speaking about dreams and all that, let, let's go there first. I'm already there. It, it has been on my mind. So, you know, I've had all these weird experiences, and of course, one of them um, goes back to what we're experiencing now, of course. When Which thing say, specifically? Yeah, <laughs> I know, Michael, that's like a big statement. No, I know. That's why I'm, I'm going back into these memories as we speak about it right now, and oof, yeah, it's... It's pretty crazy, you know, my dreams have been intense, as you can imagine. And again, this goes back to the past and what we're experiencing now. I can't help but reflect a bit on memories from 2017. Even back then, I must say, I knew what I was experiencing during those lovely outings of mine would not last. I had this very odd feeling in the back of my mind I knew that things won't go back uh, to normal when I was out of, you know, I'll central where I'm at. If people don't, if people don't uh, know by now, I live in a very small town called El Centro, California, way down south of California, obviously, for those who are lost. So anytime I would leave El Centro, I would go somewhere quite nice. And I would think, man, this is so nice. I appreciate the sand beneath my feet and the ocean in front of me. But for some odd reason, I kept thinking this isn't going to last. And I had no idea why I kept thinking that. And this is going back to uh, 2017. Did you, were, was any of this playing into your dreamscape at that time or was were these just these are waking thoughts a bit of both if that makes any sense oh yeah it does and especially if, if those those people out there putting their union hats on for sure uh with the active imagination so all right i want to I want to still, before we springboard up to 2017, I want to get back to young, young Michael. Sure. And uh, things that, that you found a little bit scary. Now, I happen to know that down in the area, not 
not your town specifically, but down in, by Joshua Tree and the Mojave Desert and stuff. And there's something very eerie in the night there. And uh, I've always found it a magical area. And also, I don't know if I've ever really slept well down there, but it could be the heat. <laughs> I love a swamp cooler, though. Uh, could be the aliens, too. Could be, the, yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's par for the course here. And I definitely want to get those, into some of that. Those pesky grays. <laughs> well, what about the reptiles? I mean, it is a reptile land down there. Yeah, they're fake news. <laughs> well, the the snakes and the lizards are certainly not fake news. So, but if we're anthropomorphizing them, perhaps. However, so the early dreaming, Michael, and the early... Michael's imagination and all of that, what kind of things were swimming around that would have caused you uh, any fear? And so I'm talking to the child, you know, the young, before you became rational. Right. The grandmother passing. Oh. Mm-hmm. What made that so scary? Well, that's kind of when I started to really question life itself and i also was thinking i'm gonna miss my parents when they die mm -hmm. yeah that's all i could think about yeah yeah so that also scared sad. Me. and that led up to a strange experience i had uh, it must have been maybe six or seven years old and my grandmother had passed and it must have been maybe a month or so after she had passed and like many other grandmothers or mothers or fathers out there, depending where you are, I'm sure plenty of us can remember a time or two when someone we loved would be in the kitchen uh, late hours. I'm sure some of your listeners can relate to that. Mm -hmm. Well, my grandmother was the same way. So she would always do this pretty late at night. And after she had passed, there was a time when I woke up and I knew I wasn't dreaming and I heard noises coming from the kitchen and I heard pots and pans moving around and I went over there thinking, I'll go say hi to grandma. Oh, wow. And of course I go and it's empty. No pots or pans anywhere. How did you process, process that as a little kid? Oh, I was very scared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Were you aware at that time? So you're six years old. Were you aware of the idea of ghosts and all that? Not really. I mean, I had seen something of that nature on, you know, on movies and cartoons, but it really didn't process that that way at that age for me yet. Right. This is young. This is six years old. I, you know, I, I don't have that concept yet. Right. Well, that, that leads me into another question too. Like, what were you, and this is why I like to know like what people were, were being exposed to uh, as far as pop culture with like comic books or TV or any, you know, anything like that stories from the family. Uh, and so, so this was, was this your first death too? Yeah, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. So that was your first confrontation with death. Right. Yeah. And so 
did you dream of her at all? So you have this experience about a month after she passes in the kitchen, which is also very eye-opening and alarming at the same time. And I, I find that interesting because it leads you into being where you are now, which is kind of the atheistic, agnostic middle ground. Uh, when this is kind of a significant experience early on, so with the other world, with consciousness not being bound to the physical body. And so did you tell your mother or your papa? Not till years later. And what was the feedback you received? My dad believed me. Yeah. Really, yeah, I haven't told my mom, but my dad. Was it his mother? It, it was. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I'm thinking something must have happened with him that I don't know about. Yeah. I'm, well, he's I'm the religious one. No, 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 wait, no. the mother is the religious one. There you yeah. go. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't write that down. <laughs> so, okay, back to Granny. And in when she passed, do you remember? I don't know if I just asked you this or not, but did you have dreams of her? That I can't say. I, I don't have any recollection of any dreams that particularly stick out. And also, in when she passed, did your uh, how did your parents explain that to you? Because when the kids are that young, you know, there's some explaining to do. Sure. And to be honest with you, I don't even recall what they told me, if they did at all. Mm -hmm. I think they just let me experience it on my own. That grandma's just not in her body now. Just gone. Yeah. Interesting. I don't remember them explaining anything now that I think about it. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, I was, it was the same for me. It was just all of a sudden presto. <laughs> like my favorite grandfather. I was like, where'd he go? <laughs> you, so know? you have recollection of what your parents told you? No, they didn't tell me anything. They allowed me to just kind of figure it out. I see. What about you, Jerry? What was the question? What your parents said, well, I think everyone, you must have a great grandmother or something that died when you were early, when you were young. And so we're, we're talking about what your how your parents explained death to your young self. They didn't. They, we never talked about it. Yeah. And I only had two grandparents uh, that I know, that I knew who died. So, Yeah. It's good interesting. Question, yeah, it's a good question. Now I feel like asking my parents. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Are, are you an only child or do you have siblings? I am an only child, but my father did have another child. So I have like a half sister. Yeah, that I makes you up. not an only child, though. Well, I didn't grow up with her. That's the thing. Yeah. I was like never around her. I have the same thing. I have a, I have a sibling from each one of my parental units but right. none from the two just i <laughs> so all right back to young michael young so michael. yes young little boy michael right. when you were your dreaming experience do you recall being a child that had dreams sure they what were, was what was it like they what were you, simple dreams though they weren't even complex or anything they would just be 
just memories I had of just say of class and simple things of that nature. So nothing, nothing, you know, just common stuff. Yeah, it, so, didn't, it didn't get intense until much later. So at what point did, so let's move through this. At what point did the dream experience come online for you where it started to be another, mm-hmm. where you started to register it as another place, another state of consciousness? And, and I mean, consciously register it as not here, not the awake land and that it had its own set of rules and all that. I must have been at least 16 because that's when I had the old hag syndrome experience that most people do when they're that young. Oh my, and Especially young girls go through that too, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all go through it. So give me an experience. Walk us through like one happen. of your hag experiences. Yeah, that's when it, it started happening where I would have these odd dreams about um, extraterrestrials and sometimes like apocalyptic uh, dreams as well in nature. So, and this is when you were 16, were you having... Okay, so I have several questions around this, but when you would have these apocalyptic dreams or the ET dreams, what kind of stuff when you were 16 were you consuming in the culture? I so, wasn't. That's the weird part. Oh, I wasn't really? That. No, I didn't like sci-fi back then. Interesting. Right. So I don't know. I don't, I don't understand how those sort of thoughts were even presented, uh, to be honest. Right, and you are in a small town, so yeah. it's not like it's everywhere. Hmm. When, so in in your dreamscape with these kinds of experiences, so so first off, when you would have the paralysis, which is oftentimes associated with the hag, right. uh, what would you do of it? How did you get through those experiences at that time? I don't think I could do much. Just hold on for the ride, to be honest. Amazing. I agree. <laughs> I can't do anything. Yeah, I just I just felt plastered <laughs> to the bed. And did it did it was it fearful? Oh yeah. Lots of anxiety those nights. Did it ever lead to Okay, so what was the outcome of that? Was it either to wake up or would you end up in dream and possibly lucid or OBE? A little bit lucid. Okay, so you Mo- go mostly, in. Mostly, yeah, a little bit, but I would wake up eventually. Mm-hmm. But nothing too, nothing too crazy, though. It was just more frightening that it was happening. Yeah. But I did see, I did see a, a strange dark figure, though, a few times. Can you tell me about it? Hmm. Definitely a man, not a woman. It was not shaped like a woman, I could tell you that. But aside from any other sort of recognizable feature on on this dark figure I would see sometimes looming over me, uh, I, I can't really describe it too well. Did it have a hat? No hat. I, I felt you were going to ask me that, but no, no hat. 
<laughs> was classic. Like one of my early one earliest memories of the the male figure was totally had a top hat and a cape uh, down a down a path in the woods. So I also have to be honest with you. I I did read a few books about you know like a few cryptids a few books on UFOs growing up, but those weren't exactly like books that I would say like influenced me in any sort of way. They're not books that I would think about. They were just slightly entertaining. Yeah. But I didn't really give it too much thought, you know, not even then. When, so, okay. So in general, and unless this has changed, but in general, how do you encounter the dreamscape, the dream realm? What does it, what's the architecture of that plane of existence for you? Color, say, sound, uh, you know, just all, all of the physicality stuff, even though it's non-physical. Just like my dreams, black and white. You're a black and white dreamer? Right. Oh, that's interesting. Are you colorblind in your dayside life? Not at all. Perfect sight. Sometimes it's in color, but very, very rare. It's usually black and white, like an old school horror film. Oh, wow. Like, I like no, it, though. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's interesting. That's quite interesting. It's. I mean, I find that's kind of rare these days. I, I still hear people talk about it, but it is, it's interesting. And what about lucid? So what is your idea? And I know we talked about this when I was on with you, but what are your ideas about the different states between of lucidity that go all the way up to out of body or astral projection? And where do you typically land? And have you had full on lucid dreams or OBEs? Of course. Definitely. Well, I'm intrigued. Give us something to chew on, Michael. Well, usually most people, because um, I guess the best way to break this down for those that don't know uh, too much about the certain states of consciousness or the focus levels, and I know you don't like labels, but again, that's like an easier way for people to follow along. Oh, I, I agree. And that's why we, we pull up. I just think it's a sliding scale is all. Oh, yeah. Again, just simple for the newer folks out there. But yeah, I, so, would, get, I would get right into it, though. You know, I'd get blasted right into, uh, if I recall, it would be something like Focus 12. And mm. who'd know who Robert Monroe. Monroe right? Yeah. You would know exactly what I'm referring to. So I would get launched right into there. And I don't know how. I don't know how I was doing this. It wasn't until, I think it might have been a friend of mine who brought up sleep paralysis to me, I think sometime like in high school, probably after high school, rather. After summer, I believe it was, when I actually told someone about this. And that's when they explained to me about um, astral travel and who Robert Monroe was and the Monroe Institute. And that's what kind of got me rather interested in what these focus, focus levels are and how some people are able to 
travel around their neighborhood and sometimes even travel into space. Of course, I, I can't do any of those things. I'm not even sure if that's even possible. But there are people out there who claim they can, but I don't make any of those claims. Just like the um, strange incidents I've had in my life, two very odd, strange incidents happened. But I'm not going to jump into conclusions, but I definitely won't dismiss the whole thing. And that goes into something you said earlier about the desert and uh, an experience I had out there in Joshua Tree, which I can quickly mention here if you want. Oh, please. Yeah, bring us into that. Sure. But the beautiful thing was I wasn't alone when it happened, which makes it very important. It was a shared experience, as they say. I agree. Those are those are more validating. I, I'm I'm always happy to report those kinds of experiences when somebody else encountered had the same, you know, can back it up. Right. And I try to make it a habit of proving things I uh you know that I, I talk about. So what was this experience in uh in Joshua Tree? Well, yes, I I was also loading up the memories of that, and I would have thought I lost my mind if that factor was not existent, by the way, the whole shared experience. If I was just alone, for sure, I would have just thought, okay, I, I lost my mind out here. But to make a long story short, I can conclude uh, to you and to the listeners out there that this experience did happen. I'm not selling a book or anything or going on a bunch of um, shows out there. I've turned down a lot of radio shows all the time to talk about this uh, experience here. Because I don't really, I think a lot of people probably have had this experience happen to them. But yes, it was a dark hotel room. And the craziest thing happened. It was the most blinding light you can imagine just engulfed the entire room. And even as I closed my eyes in this hotel room, I could still see the very intense bright light. Very, very bright white light. And I was told this sort of a thing manifested right behind me. And of course, I looked at the news to see if a, a meteor or any sort of strange... Uh, Anomaly must have happened, anything like that, but no. It was all just a normal day or night out there. It was a strange experience, and what makes it even weirder is uh, the things I was saying leading up to the experience, and that's a whole another long story just in itself, but I had well, said... If we I have the time it, to talk about <laughs> it. I, I'm interested in this one, by the I way. I was just going to say... Uh, to make a long story short, I had been doing the show and I was saying, if I don't experience something out there, then I'm just done talking about um, extraterrestrials, I said, and the afterlife. And then this happened. And the rest is history. What did you and your companion make of it when you were piecing it? So when you have these shared experiences, for me at least, it's I'm always one that I want to dive into the details. Like, how did we end up having this experience? Oh no! 
and part, yeah, we don't know. And I just said, uh, the first thing that came out of my mouth was, did you see that? That was the first thing I said. And they said, yes, that was it. The silence between us both is the weirdest thing ever. It wasn't until much later when I, I kept bringing it up and saying, what, what the hell was that? Did that actually happen? And yes, oh, it happened. All right. Again, I would totally dismiss it if, if I wasn't with someone else, I would have said stories bullshit. Yeah, well, of course. I mean, I mean, I know, I know this about you, especially when you call yourself an atheist too. So, <laughs> yeah. So again, I, I don't know what it was. I have no clue. I don't say it was God. I don't say it was uh, the Easter Bunny. I don't say it was Muhammad. I don't say it was George Floyd. Uh, I don't say any of those things. <laughs> hilarious what was the mood pretty good and of course i was I, I wasn't high on drugs or anything like that either what was the uh was there like a an electrical charge in the air what was the quality of like you I know how that? that it was i didn't feel that at all it just felt like any other experience you would have in a hotel room out of town totally normal everything was cool nothing felt out of place everything felt as it should be then this happened and i'm still confused with what that was i've, I've talked to a lot of people uh from david sarita to dr michael Shermer to uh michael aquino you know a lot of these conversations i've had with these individuals i've had in private you know i wish i had those recorded but I've gone over all these things with the with these folks, and they've told me a long list of uh, a long list of uh, theories of what that could have been. And some of those things I wish I could share with you guys now, but I don't know if I could reveal some of my private conversations with these people. I don't want them uh, to get too angry with me. You know, I, I do have some moral about uh, some morals about me that I do want to keep. <laughs> Well, privacy is a good moral to have. Yeah. I so into that. you you mentioned you had a couple of these strange experiences. What was the other? The other was actually with my father. I was at at my parents' house when this happened. And they have another great story too, by the way. I, maybe I should go back and tell you that story. Yes, bring us, bring us into it. This happened to both of my parents. And as you know, the mother, religious, the father, not so much, much more open-minded. He believes in extraterrestrials wholeheartedly. He's, he's deep, you know, he goes in there. He loves UFOs. And the mom, for a short time, she wasn't really too deep with religious, any, uh, re, re, with her religion. By the way, she wasn't that deep into it at the time. She sort of was like taking a sort of a sabbatical, as, as they say. And, and what uh, religion is she? He was a Jehovah Witness, by the way. Okay, yeah. Isn't it, don't they have like an alien myth mythos? I don't really know a lot about them. The good thing is I was not doctored into any of that, so I, I can't even tell you. 
they left me alone with all that. Thank God. Yeah. No special underwear for you. No. Well, that's the Mormons. Oh, okay. See, I get them all confused. <laughs> They're all cults, you know. <laughs> yes. Okay. So not to sidetrack. So this story that you're yes. leading us in with. Definitely. Definitely. So for a few years there, the mom wasn't very religious. And then something odd happened to them both. And I'm super jealous. My dad had sent me a text message telling me to drive over. He said, quick, something over the house. I remember he put that. So I ended up driving over there. And of course, I was too late. Uh, my father described some sort of triangular craft that sort of moved like some sort of squid in, in the ocean. He, that's how he described it to me. It was some sort of translucent sort of um, figure of sorts. It blew him away. He had never seen anything like this, and it was up above the, the house. And once my mom saw it, it freaked her out so bad she went back to um, religion there for a while. So she probably thought it was demons or something. Probably. Who like the hell that? knows? Yeah, I don't know what she might have uh, thought it was, but it, it blew her away. So she was scared, very scared. What did your papa make of it? Oh, he loved it. You know, he's been wanting to see something like that all his life. He's like, a, he's hardcore into ufology loves ancient aliens loves all that uh -huh. yeah, okay in, yeah he's deep into that okay and so how does this one tie into the your experience then it doesn't i just wanted to share with you a a very neat sort of experience that i'm, I'm very jealous of that i wish i uh, experienced but i'll tell you about uh, the one with me and my dad in a moment but Again, I'm, I am very jealous of that. I wish I saw something like that. Uh, have you seen anything in the sky before, Nish and, and Jerry? I have. Really? Yes. Where at? Out there where you live? Yeah, in my backyard, actually. I saw an orange orb. Lucky. I want to see something like that. I did, too, and that's when it came by. I'm like, how come I never seen anything like that? And boom, it just showed up. It happened. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And that wasn't that kind of like your red pill initial red pill moment, Jer? Totally, totally. So that's see, that's the problem with me. I'm still, I'm still skeptical about everything. I was totally skeptical. I'm I still, still having that battle. I still am. I don't think aliens are real. You know, I don't believe it's outer space aliens. It could be from here. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it could be perfectly explained. It's just something that from beyond the ice wall right or demons because everything is demons yeah it could be demons <laughs> or <laughs> it's a joke know, i'm joking long list of people actually <laughs> calm down gary <laughs> calm, calm down gary so okay so lead us into the other big experience you with, had with the dad yeah with my father yeah. that was awesome by the way and how old were you for that this wasn't even that long ago this was oh, maybe, shit. Yeah, this, this is was, modern. Right. This was probably a year or two ago. Oh wow. Time. Right, right. It was pretty badass. I mean, I didn't expect that to happen. I was alone in the house in my parents' house, and I was with my dad. 
and we're watching TV in the, in the living room there. And there's like a, a table next to a really uh, big television there. It's not, I was going to say it's a, it's a big flat screen, but it isn't hung up on the wall or anything. It's, it's like on some, uh, I can't even, uh, I can't really. Explain. Like a pedestal or something. It's yeah, on some yeah. shit like that. Something yeah. like that. And next to that, there's like a big table and there's a fruit bowl and there's all sorts of fruit in there. And while we're watching, it was just some, I think we might've been watching like Hannity or some, 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 something about politics. I don't, I don't, I don't recall, but all of a sudden, all I see is this grapefruit go up in the air and fall down. And I looked at my dad and I said, did you see that? And I said, did, did mom do that? And of course, it's just me and him in the house. And also, I looked online to see if maybe there's an earthquake or I don't know why I, I thought that. And I thought maybe it was the TV, maybe it was loud and it caused a, a goddamn grapefruit to a jump out of the bowl. I don't know. But, that <laughs> but just really one, happened. yeah. <laughs> just one. And it really happened. It just scared didn't really scare me i just thought wow that's that was that was interesting uh see i th you think like i do i always try to deduce like what's the most what even with my bigfoot experience like what's the most logical experience here how's exactly. this right how's this so cutting out the the earthquake and and all that it, did your papa actually see it he sure did oh wow you both did what did your what did your papa make of it you know how when you play catch with someone and someone has a ball and they just sort of throw it up and catch it yeah that's exactly what we saw well what did your papa think though what was his thought about what it was what made that happen he was quiet he just <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I think he was stunned too but we haven't talked about it since that's the funny part I never brought it up again. Maybe I should after, yeah, after this, uh, after the show, maybe I'll call them. <laughs> well, I mean, that's pretty significant. It's pretty awesome. But again, you know, I, I like to be as logical and um, just rational as possible, logical and rational. But sometimes it's just, uh, I can't explain it. And that's kind of the best answer I could give. And it's a lot of people would contribute it to X, Y, and Z, but not me. I always think maybe there's a explanation for this that we just uh, don't know yet. Well, there always is. It's just a matter of what it is and how far out there it ends up being. But when we, when we get past all the mundane stuff, that's when the real mystery and the juicy bit comes in, in my opinion. See, that's the side of me that just can't rule out everything. That's the right. side that says, well, maybe there is a God. Yeah. And then tomorrow I'll say there isn't. But why would it have to be a God? Couldn't it be? Oh, a... just giving you an example. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, okay. With, with dreaming and stuff, have, do you have nightmares? Have you had them throughout your life? Anything like that? course i had one i would always have a, a repeat dream a reoccurring dream as they say aside from the 
apocalyptic sort of a dream there was one with with an alien a gray alien that would sort of chase me around the house i'm not sure where that came from and of course i would try to fight said alien but of course you know what that's like uh trying to uh, swing a fist at something in a dream it's like you are throwing punches in water and that's how long did that recur maybe about four years and when how long ago did that end that must have ended at least six years ago because i haven't had it since but the the apocalyptic dream though that that still hasn't really gone away that's that's my favorite dream i have to say what makes that your favorite dream michael well it's black and white and of course once all the explosions happen they those explosions are like uh, in, in some sort of psychedelic color it's probably the most beautiful thing you could ever imagine totally hard to sort of describe to you and jerry here and for the listeners but it's gorgeous it's it's beautiful and that's what's kind of um it's kind of odd uh, with me and what's going on around all of us right now in the world. We're seeing all this uh, chaos and destruction, and uh, part of me really likes it, and the other part of me hates it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm. You I want to see this. it burn. Uh, you know, I want to see a lot of things burn down. Uh, yeah. Of humanity, uh, per, uh, per se, but I know but, that's probably not the best way to be thinking, especially right now. But all the wrong things are being burnt down. Exactly. Yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> we other need to get focused here. <laughs> How about you so guys you point your ire at the Federal Reserve or something? Yes. Sure. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm, I'm conflicted. I really am. I don't want to see what's going on, but a part of me kind of does. I think that's part of the nihilistic sort of essence that I, I do tend to carry at times. I certainly share it. I've always been on that side of things where, you know, I just have a rebel gene. And so I have issues with the idea of, of being governed. I have the idea, I have issues with the idea of chattel and being chattel. And so I, I look around though, and I see the mobs happening and it's, you know, there's just so much tomfoolery going on that it's not focused and it's focused at the wrong things you know as as far as i'm concerned leave the art and architecture alone it's historical context leave leave people in your neighborhood alone that are servicing you you know the corner store down the street and and this and that and really get at the heart of it get the corporations get the administrations and uh that's where I, I find it a little more, you know, it seems more productive in that way. Uh, and also on the cop factor, I, I just, I know so many good cops. So do I. Yeah. yeah I, you've said this on your show and I, I mean, I really do. There are great cops out there. They're, they're people too. <laughs> they just have a really hard gig in my opinion. Yeah. Really hard. Yeah. But there are cops out there that actually believe in what they sworn, you know, they sworn to do and uh, serve and protect. And so, but I, 
I'd heard, I'd heard through these grapevines and all that, that their psychological screening changed at some point where they were looking more for the sociopathic types. And, uh, but it's, this is all just a segue into robotics, in my opinion. I think, you know, DARPA's already said, the videos are actually out there. And then we already are already seeing police, robot police dogs out. And there's stuff on the streets right now. So, and it's just getting people along the line to, to want more of that. So the police I'm resign. I'm ready to be completely honest with you. I'm ready For the robots? Yeah, I'm ready to live forever. Oh, oh, you're ready to get hooked up. <laughs> I'm already a robot. <laughs> Aren't we all? No, to be honest with you, I, I truly believe that about 75 to 85% of uh, the human race out there, I believe they are brainwashed. I think some of them aren't even human. I think some of them might even be bots already. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's that's a, a common thread in, in our little realm. But no one's home. That's what I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that going on? Yes. Yes. I have, I certainly have deep woo theories on that. And, uh, and we talk about that on, on around in different places and certainly on the obelisk. And this is kind of a mixed show anyway. Sure. Uh, and now this I can one, turn the tables on both of you now. No, 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 Michael. You could try. I, you. I have questions for you since the skeptic in me is coming out again. I'm not done with you yet. Though, oh, we're not so done. Okay, go ahead. No, you have to wait. <laughs> Slow it down, baby. I'm naughty. I apologize. <laughs> well, we're not there yet, so let's keep going. Keep it rubbing. Yeah, keep rubbing. Go ahead. <laughs> I didn't keep rubbing. Flick, you got flick the that oil. bean. <laughs> go on now. I'll pour more sugar on you. Ooh, Igor's excited. So, uh, <laughs> so all right. Back to Dreamland. Dream world. Dream world. Yes, dream world. Do you, have you had experience? So we've got the gray stuff entering in and the ETs, whatever they are. And what do they whatever, want? What yeah. do they want? I don't know why. The others though. And so, and the others can include the departed from here. I think some people may call them disincarnate entities or ghosts and all these, all this different terminology. But what I'm speaking of in particular are those that are that have a sentience or feel of a sentience and not those that are like residue or something from your daily life. So those that push back that are not you in the dream space, what's, have you encountered any of that kind of strangeness? Like meeting entities and dreams? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Well, there have been some times where, where I am talking to someone that is sort of like someone that I already know that let's say someone I went to school with like 10 years ago, they appear in my dream and I ask them, why are you here? I, I've done that before. I've asked a few times, why are you here? And sometimes I'll, I'll wake up, but sometimes I'll get an answer. That's the um, fascinating part. The strange entities that uh, just show up in your dreams, it, it's kind of quite, it's not, it's not so far-fetched. I mean, it's quite common, I would say. But maybe that's just your mind um, sort of screwing with you. I'm not sure what it is really, but I've had these odd dreams where characters from my past just sort of 
sort of manifest in there. And I'll ask them, I'll say, why are you here? And their answers aren't that great, though. To be yeah, a lot of times in in the dream space, a, a lot of stuff's very mundane, actually, and not fantastical. The imagery can be fantastical, but stuff like communications oftentimes are not. You, you know, they're very rooted in the mundane world. But I think that's a mechanism for communication that's easy for that's easy to interpret. Yeah. It's just, I'm not sure what, what that is, why that happens, why we have these sort of, these characters that sort of come back. Is there a meaning behind that? I don't know. What about flying? Do you flying fly? Flying is awesome. Sometimes, yeah. How do you fly? That is a good question. Sometimes I don't uh, do or try Sometimes these things just happen. Sometimes these experiences are like in like third person. Like mm -hmm. I'm not even there. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not in control. It's 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 just I'm riding shotgun. Yes. Yeah, it's always like a or oh my god, the, the wolves are back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the killer wolves, yes. My black wolves. <laughs> Love that. But yeah, these sort of experiences are awesome. So are you like a Superman flyer? Are you in a bubble? Are you on no. a magic carpet? No, I'm, I'm afraid of heights. So, you know, my flying is very slow and methodic, like, like the Mothman. Slow and low barbecue. I'm not sure, by the way. I just threw the Mothman a reference in there because it sounded cool. Yeah, well, you're going to get all, the algorithm loves that, by the way. So we can pull in the Mothman now. Nice. So... With the so you're afraid of heights. This is interesting. I also share that. I'm oh, not scared. I am just terrified of heights. I remember when I was probably 12 years old and I went to Las Vegas with my parents. I think we might have been staying in the MGM. This is this is way back, and we were way up there. And I remember looking down in the um, out the window. I looked down and. I kid you not, I stayed away from windows for a long time after that. Yeah, I have the same experience with it. it do you get the, is it the butterfly experience in your belly? Oh, big time, yeah. That goes right, that goes right in there. Do you get like a tingling at the back of your spine? Like right at the top of your crack of your ass? Like this? A little bit. It's like, it's like a, the first time you um, sort of you know, around the bases with the woman that you really are into and she's, you know, playing with you a little bit there, getting the senses going. It's kind of like that experience. Except but, not but terrifying. Fun. But terrifying, yeah. Terrifying, right. Exactly. It's like the, just the thought of going on to one of those glass rooms that hang off the Sears Tower in Chicago or something like that. Oh it's just, God, I would die. I get that feeling just from thinking about that. Oof. No I love that we all share this because yeah, I'm not having it either. It's you too. Yeah, I'm I'm not having it. So. Skydiving and all that shit. No, no, no way. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I am good. I'm not trying to risk it that much, you know. Well, okay. So why do you think this is? I have theories, but I'm just wondering what are your thoughts on why would you 
have this and it, it seems like an fear. inherent fear yeah well you know i have looked into that before and some would say it's probably because that's how i died in a previous life i i don't know if that's true i don't know how valid those claims are i don't know i can't prove or disprove that but that's what they say how do you feel about that do you think it holds weight or is there something else that may be possible that's a tough one to answer because I'm, I'm still uncertain of that one and yet the experience is visceral sure I mean, that's the thing for me when I try to deconstruct it. It's very visceral, even in films when you get that look down. Uh, My father, and- actually, he's brought up a strange memory as well. And he brought this up maybe maybe even a week ago. He tells me that he, re- he remembers a lot of, of things from when he was really young, when he was maybe like at an impossible age to even be remembering some of the the discussion he had with his mom. And there was another story he told me where he was remembering past memories, he says, from like the Colosseum. He thinks in his mind, um, I don't know how, but he has- In Rome? Yeah, I was going to say he has some sort of like odd memory of it and he's gone into details and it's the weirdest thing. Uh, You're going to have to talk to him one of these days. I find that interesting. And, uh, you know, you do have kind of a Roman look to you, by the way. So. Good Lord. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, you also have a, a Spaniard look, but you do have a Roman look. So maybe there is some something going on with your papa and Rome. There might be. That's why I'd be very interested to really trace my DNA because I, I'm like a hybrid of sorts. I definitely don't look like most people out here. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. I, you know how I feel. It, I think we're all hybrids of some sort, unless you're in some really remote place that's, you know, that didn't ever see outside influences. I'm a carny, I like to say. <laughs> oh, you get me excited there, Michael. Cal- oh, Caligula wow. Barnum. <laughs> that's right. Amazing. <laughs> Goddamn amazing. Okay, so, uh, so back on, back on this idea of others, though, and so, I don't like to qualify others. I, I like to, I like people to bring in the idea of, or get. I like to get to the idea of what that concept is for people, and so it can be inclusive of UFO, like ETs, uh, ghosts entities you know it can be all-encompassing it's very rainbow isn't it what so aside from dreaming what are where are you where do you land with the idea of things that are other than us that are different than us in the fact that not non-human i guess is where i'm going that are non-human are you asking me what i make of it yeah i mean what what do you what do you make of it? Yeah, of that, those kinds of things. And we've already mentioned Grace, and we know your papa is balls deep into all that. <laughs> balls deep, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, but where do you stand? And like I said, I don't qualify this. So this, 
really can represent the full gamut of ideas of other than what we are apparent humans right apparent cro-magnum you know uh so like i said this could be entities it could be evil spirits it could be uh ebes you know ai what are you, what's your idea on others, especially as an atheist? Maybe I think it depends more on where you were, how you were raised and where you were born in terms of geological locations. I think, again, if I was somewhere like in the Middle East, I would think I was experiencing like a, like the jinn is, is like talking to me, which is odd because I had, a, I've had one of those experiences before too. Ooh, I don't even know what the hell is... that was. Yeah, well, that's provocative. Tell us about it. Well, I explained this sort of experience to a friend of mine without even knowing what the gin was. But this sort of a thing actually woke me up one day or one night uh, by strangling me. I woke up uh, coughing and hacking up uh, next to the bed there. Really scared the uh, old lady next to me there. But did you get a visual of it? What was going on with it? It was evil looking. Red what eyes made it everything? Oh, oh, so kind of almost classical glowing red eyes, like a fucking genie. <laughs> no legs, yes, it was odd. <laughs> and there goes the dogs. I think Lucian was agreeing with you, <laughs> but what made you settle on gin that that was possibly a gin? Well, it didn't come from me, it came from a friend of mine who um, sort of made that 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 uh he had that notion rather in his head that that's what it was that's what that figure was and this was a time when i didn't know what that was at all i didn't know it had to do with some sort of middle eastern sort of uh, entity or spirit whatever you want to classify that as that demonic sort of thing i guess and so the the person that was next to you, did you, did they have any experience with it or it was just you freaking out? No, they out? slept like a baby. Yeah. <laughs> they were, of course. Yeah, they were no feedback. None. They didn't give a shit. Have you, on that note, have you ever been known to be a sleepwalker or a sleep talker? I can systematically say no. No sleepwalk, no, none of that. No sleep talking. No Ambien. No. Nah. <laughs> None of those things that I know of. I love the stories with Ambien where people have like a whole different sex life going. That's actually has happened when, uh, I'll be honest with you, back when I was like in high school, I think I must have been a senior. I was dating this girl and her parents were, one of them was a pharmacist. I don't know if it was the mom or the dad, but. They had a, you know, they had a collection of all sorts of uh, pills and they, and they did have Ambien and this girl I was dating gave me a few and I took one and I was also drinking that night. And let's just say it ended with me in tears in my bed. Oh, that sounds like a terrible trip. It sounds like an Ambien trip, right? 
I've never done Ambien. And when I, I heard people were living like other lives on it, it, it oh, yeah. I, was, I have true. control issues. So that is just out of my realm altogether. If you're, you don't want to do it, trust me. No. And I definitely don't like the idea of hooking up with people and not knowing. First of all, it's bad enough knowing, you know, at least you're, cons you're consenting that you could be getting some funk or something, but it's then not knowing and it has to do with a sleeping aid. Hell no. That's isn't like that, so not having it. Isn't that the sleep eating drug? Yeah, it's the, it's, it's notorious. I believe Rosie O'Donnell was a victim of the same uh, experience. She, she had a whole different sex life going. Not the sex no, life. Sleep she eater. Was, she was, yes, she was sleep eating and, and tweeting yeah. all kinds of crazy things. <laughs> she blamed that. And I thought, you know what? That's actually a good excuse. <laughs> right. You can you can hedge that. that yeah, like, I was gonna say I could hedgeable. I, exactly. I, I I would think that's very tangible. That's a good excuse, a good reason, a good purpose. Uh, I I can't say I haven't done something uh, egregious like that under the influence of uh, some sort of a barbiturate of sorts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Ooh. Like an ambient or a soma. A soma. There's always a story when you take those two drugs or Xanax for for sure. You're, if you take more than you know you should, you're always going to wake up and have a story. <laughs> of course, you're, gonna, you're not going to remember it until maybe 48 hours later. Then you'll but you'll still have a story. Uh, this is why I don't take anything. I am so not having that. It's not. I have too much too many don't control issues. I yeah. tell you, two, take two yeah. Zanny bars and oh you're out cold. There's no way I'm going to go driving around or anything. Uh, memories, yes. yeah, memories. Good. You know, there was. I did like. Um, I I, I, do, uh, I still will if they're floating around. I'll have me a, a mama's little helper that the volume is that I hear Xanax is kind of like the modern version of that. It is. Yeah. Well, so hey, let's just say a friend of mine, he was driving a 72 a Buick and uh, we were. A mess oh, that's those, classic. Uh, messing with those um, footballs, <laughs> we call them Xanax. Yeah. The football bars, as we call them. <laughs> With the 72 Buick. <laughs> the 72 Buick. You know, it's never good news when a friend shows up in one of those with a handful of uh, pills and all sorts of other things. All sorts oh, of Lord. Was it on hydraulics? No, it was just some old <laughs> 72 Buick. And I just thought, God damn, this is not going to end well. And it never did. Oh, Lord. Get rid of that <laughs> friend if you have one. You don't want to be around them. God, you don't have babies around, do you? No babies, no. No crumbs, as they say. <laughs> no, I, I've been very smart in life. This is turning into a Michael Deacon show. I know. Um, what show am I on? I know. I know. What it's hilarious. hilarious. Okay, so back to back to this idea of others. So that's right. Yeah, the others. What do you so intellectually where you are now? And with your papa, where he is, and his scope of experience, at least knowledge and know-how, and then the experience you've had with him, and a couple of the strange things that he has also logged, what are your ideas of, Are do you, so I know I asked this question kind of generally, but now I'm coming into the ET thing for sure and specific. 
what do you think all that is? Is it outer space? You know, what, what are your ideas on space in general? Let's start space. there. Yes. Well, space is forever. It's endless possibilities of what can and cannot happen. But of is course, it different than the ether field? I don't think it's any different. I think it's all one of the same. I think all of this is just all one, as you know. And in 2020, all bets are off. Anything is possible. That's my mindset right now. And of course, the skeptic in me, mm -hmm. the one who looks at it from um, the inside and outside, I always think, well, how do you explain the out-of-body experience? Um, are these hallucinations? Um, self-delusions mm -hmm. is that what that is or is this a psychotic episode perhaps are these uh, memories that we've surpassed somehow and now they are up front because uh, we're stressed out in our lives are these things that we um sort of just made up this is a form of a psychosis that's the skeptic in me that's the sort of thing i think about when i'm when I self-reflect into all the things I've uh, mentioned here and all the experiences I've had, I always wonder that myself. Were these psychotic episodes that I experienced? Was it all bullshit? Did that actually happen? I don't know. And that's the skeptic in me. That's the uh, spiritual battle inside of me that hasn't stopped. How do you, how do you come upon the idea that this is a real experience that it's as tangible as anything else like what what makes this apparent reality real for you well the fact that things hurt life hurts so that lets me know that this is real if that makes any sense oh, but haven't you had pain in a dream never really I have not felt pain in a dream. I felt not even emotional pain in a dream. Never. I felt glorious in all my dreams. Not even you fear. Okay. You're like a you're like a super. I love super it. Or something. Or I'm like addicted to that. Yeah. Okay. That's, why, that's another thing. Another reason why I like taking breaks from um, enjoying cannabis because the dreams are so intense. And for some, it freaks people out, but I accepted them. All the horrible things that happen to people, these um, strange dreams they end up happening and they don't want to go back to sleep again. They have trouble sleeping because of a sad dream. Not me, though. The worse, the better. Do you, so when, so on, do you have dreams when you're on cannabis? Very rarely. I prefer, I prefer what it's like when I'm not on uh, on anything, I'm just straight sober. That's yeah, it's crazy as hell. Yeah, they they get really vivid then. Mm-hmm. Extremely sure. vivid, like if it's actually happening. But no pain. But, if if I think it's gonna really hurt me, I I just wake up. And I already know I'm dreaming though. That's a, that's another great thing. I'm always cognitive, if that makes sense. That I'm always aware. Well, that's a higher state of lucidity. So in all your dreams, you're, you're aware that you're 
screaming. I'm in aware and I'm, I don't know if I'm completely in control because again, I'm like in that third person. Well, controlness and awareness are different. Right. You know, there's right. a difference there. And yeah, some people, so. some people do like to get in and ride the control thing and, and be the architect. You know, I they like really to do it though. I mean, I could, I could sort of manifest a few things in the dream that I want to happen. I could do that. I don't, I can't explain how I could do that, but I've done that time and time again in, in the sort of a dream world. Mm -hmm. But as far as like really just controlling everything, it's, I can't do that exactly. It's sort of like I'm limited in, in what I could do. If that makes any sense at all. Oh yeah. And it's, it's actually common. So it, plus I, you know, lots of people that get in and have extreme lucidity, high levels of lucidity that are in fact, you know, able to be the dream, like architects within the, the dreamscape that prefer to, of course, this is what they tell me that prefer to allow allow the dream narrative to play as it is going to, they find that more exciting to see what's going to unroll and, and go with that. So it's, it's interesting. I'm always interested by it. What about, have you had any ideas on, so in, this doesn't have to be segregated to the idea of dreaming and your dream life. This is one for just a general sweep of your full point, zero point of consciousness. What are your ideas on other states of consciousness that let's, you know, let's start with death. What, what do you think goes on? And, and this is where there is a line in the sand between an atheist and an agnostic. Ah, uh, yes. Death. Very scary stuff, right? It's like um, forever, right? I don't know. I'm asking you. Everyone knows my opinion. Oh, I don't know your opinion, though. We'll save that for later, Michael. No worries, no worries. But yes, uh, death, it's a very odd sort of thing. And that goes back to some of the memories I had of when I was really, really young thinking I don't want my parents to die. I don't want to die. And, you know, I still feel that way. But death is very final. Yes, going back to... Going back to the silent tomb, as they say. Going back for the long nap. So and do you think that there's nothing, that that's it, game over? A part of me feels that way. You know, part of me feels we don't have any tangible evidence that would demonstrate that there is an afterlife. How do you demonstrate that? Of course, that's the question. But, but you had this early experience with your grandmama. Right. But see, that's where that the skeptic in me comes out naturally. Mm -hmm. I, I still question myself and I question uh, death itself as well. I, I think, well, it seems pretty final. I don't have any evidence that would prove otherwise. But then there is that part of me that wants there to be a, an afterlife, wants there to be some sort of experience. And when I talk to other people about the afterlife, I always ask, so what do ghosts uh, do? What do they do in the afterlife? What do 
these uh, ghosts, uh, wh what are they up to? What, what are their activities in, in the afterworld or afterlife? What, what could they be doing this whole time? And then, of course, I, I think about rebirth. Mm -hmm. That always goes through my mind as well. Well, do you think it is it possible that we could be in the afterlife right now? This could be your afterlife. It could be. And you're subscribing to a set of rules. Right. And clearly the outer world around us, whatever that is, is breaking down. And things that people thought would not ever happen are happening. And so a lot of impossible stuff is on the plate now uh, from, you know, scientific advances that are being publicly acknowledged now to to geopolitical it just the struck the fabric of our reality is completely breaking down i know you acknowledge that and you actually you know you're thriving and rivaling uh reveling in it so really that's it's, it's incredible really if you know i always think of think of it in the way of someone's going to be making money out of it why can it not be you Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, of course. But see, this gets past my point, though. If there's no reason why and this is existentialism, you know, but there's no reason why this. For me, this can't actually be. Causal loops, causality loops, reverberations of of lives and consciousnesses and uh and all this stuff, all this muckety muck, and we're in in this afterlife state. Uh, I mean, clearly, we have pain, and and clearly, there are high stakes. However, how high are the stakes? You know, we're looking at all this stuff play out before we us. All, we all sort of have this sort of like a paradoxical sort of existence. Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny, right? It, it is. I mean, that's one of the grand things here. There's too. a lot of self-contradiction, self, uh, uh, yes. definitely, in some of the things that I think about and subscribe to, sure. Well, and that's I, where the good stuff is. I always think about that as well. I think uh, a lot of the stuff I talk about, there's some self-contradictory there at times. Well, it's like that's, smashing that's particles. The that's the spiritual battle with it from within. I would say. Absolutely. But if you don't smash these particles together, these ideas as particles together that are contradictory, how do you break ground? How do you know inside of a, a dull rock that there might be some glorious crystals like a geode? I mean, sure. you know, there's just so many ways to approach this that it seems limiting we limit ourselves. This is the Eight of Cups in the Tarot, or the um, not the Eight of Cups, the uh, Eight of Swords in the Tarot. We limit ourselves, and by limiting limiting ourselves, are we are we doing ourselves a favor? Do you think with this just pure materialism, that this is this is the game and it's the only game, this experience of life? Well, all you have in this world is yourself. You don't have um, anyone else there for you at the end of the day. It's just you, your oh, thoughts. Oh, my mama told me. That's a Tracy Chapman song. It's a good song, but yes. Life is all about loving yourself first. 
people forget about that though. And that's when they fall into depression and that's when their hatred comes about them. And it, it's exactly another example of what we are seeing today in, in front of us, um, right before our very own eyes, especially in TV, you can see what's going on. Lots mm. of uh, angry individuals out there and it all goes back to simple things, going back to the households, going back to controlling one's anger and the character that is that uh, that is from uh, within that individual out there who's angry that hates the world that hates themselves it always goes back to the the moral character that's what i see in life really I, I don't see any sort of a racism or anything it always goes back to the character of that individual so with the, with all this this kind of territory we're walking on what are what are your ideas of the vastness of of experience? So you know the the way that some people speak of uh, reincarnation, or the you know the the va- the so this is taking you this is taking you out of atheist territory, right? But I gather from our chat here and then others have had with you and all this that i mean you're definitely open it's not like you're closed off but no, there's but there's why, this why does atheism have anything to do with afterlife atheists or, believe there is nothing okay after okay. it's well, it's hard well, i don't exactly mean uh, that uh, different uh, atheists uh, out there have different sort of understandings and sort of um i guess definition of what they truly believe and i'm under the notion of i just simply don't have any tangible evidence that would prove to me personally that there is or isn't a god that's what i mean when i say i'm an atheist right Right. which is that's a classical definition of it and i I agree i'm the same way i i think it's all i don't have evidence the absence of evidence just like i say faith is not a tangible pathway to truth the way i understand it and, and trust me as a i've been a card carrying cos member and a, all that faith is just not a reliable pathway to truth um that's just it's it's always been that way for me i always come back to that i don't know why but that is always something i always roll back to well you know there's the idea of like I was married once upon a time oh and God. his his father it was a hot fiery beautiful you were married I was it was hot and delicious oh and goodness. he was very Johnny Cash uh anyway so but his father was totally an atheist and he you know he was like burn me and throw my ashes in the trash can and oh, I got into a very intelligent man and uh and in many ways his son Scott whom I married who was raised a Catholic, by the way, right. uh, was very atheistic as well. And, you know, we, we had lots of these discussions because that's just, this is the kind of stuff that interests me. Sure. And, uh, and so one of the baseline understandings about atheism as opposed to agnostic belief is it's lights out like you already described on death like upon death it's lights out that's it game over show's done nothing's going on and the god factor didn't come in to it 
And whereas opposed to the agnostic was, yes, they're open to the possibility that there's, uh, there's gods and all that other stuff, but they're also not closed off on the idea of it's not necessarily lights out when you die. So this is a big factor in at least old school atheism. And when you're reading like old school psychological books, that's a little bit down in there in the fundamental side of it. So I know that it's gotten like all language now is very fuzzy and the boundaries are, are ever vibrating and changing and it's hard for people to understand each other this is one of the by the way you're a theist right oh i don't throw names at myself at all and do i and is no i wouldn't call myself a theist no what about Uh, you jerry i'm of the opinion that all religion is mind control Mm -hmm. and the idea of you the idea yeah. of a creator or source or God is complete nonsense. See, that's kind of the notion I subscribe to. But, however... That this is a social construct, a religion. However, oh, yeah. I do yes. recognize the quote-unquote gods as archetypes that have had uh, energetic intention thrown their way and can offer benefit in the work, in magical works and whatnot. So they're created through the human consciousness, to archetypical, archetypical entities, if you will, that exist wherever. But they're not. And that's like a depth psychology model. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Just the way I think. Well, it's it's a depth psychology framework for sure, and and which is lovely. I mean, I got caught in that trap for years, and and I still have it's one of my main overlays especially when more on the Jungian slant uh but it's all open for me and so yeah that's the thing I always say why do we believe the things that we do do we believe them because they make us feel better or because they're they're facts which one is it well those are both traps and if we'd never been taught these things would we even come to those notions would we believe them anyway exactly that, that's like that's part of that construct right. you know or that conditioning it's just odd that the human mind is conditioned to worship uh whatever it doesn't understand well it's like the ancient people they they all have stories of worshiping those in the stars those in the heavens Well, as you say, Michael, the world is a mysterious place, and they were viewing it that way. The world is a mysterious place, no doubt, but it's also also a stage, just like uh, Shakespeare said. The world is a stage. The theater of the absurd, the magic theater of the mind, as Hesh said. So, uh, I mean, all this stuff's juicy, but at the end of the day, I come more from an agnostic standpoint where I know something is going on bigger than this and that this experience of consciousness of zero point consciousness and what i mean by zero point is i'm in here right now in this shell that you know we all know as niche and we're having this conversation uh but outside of that i and so outside of the ego identity and outside of the quaternity of my personality i acknowledge I have some acknowledgement 
on on some larger scale with myself. I'm not sure what it is that there's way more going on that 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 I look through the idea of everything we're experiencing is very uh we've got blinders on we know this that just from light spectrum and all that there's so much that is possible in my world uh that i know there's more going on and that's where the agnostic in me shines there's more going on i don't know what it is i don't have conviction in anything and i'm certainly not pushing at anyone so that's how i landed on agnostics agnostic being in the agnostic soup once you start getting into the isms, though, you got trouble. Yeah, there's no such thing as isms as well. <laughs> They're like ETs. <laughs> the, the isms are their own ETs. Yeah, so I always say, what's going on here? Why don't facts change our minds? But what is this idea of facts? What, what are facts? I always just think, why would someone continue to believe uh, a false or inaccurate idea anyways? Why believe in things you can't prove? Because they fear death. Or death. This is, well, isn't that the most provocative thing where we stand now? Because that's the, this is the veiled Isis. Death is the, the, the great veiled, you know, goddess. Death is outer space or inner space. Death is that which we can't access until we do access and there's no road back. And so, uh, and I love I love the veiled Isis mythos. It it just seems to me. So, but we're all headed there, and that's what I'm I'm constantly saying. There's as many different people on the planet. Everyone's road coalesces. You know, we bottleneck into that's that's a single point, just like birth was when you came in no matter how real this is, it's like the VR experiences that are happening now where they tap into your nervous system where you can be in a virtual environment. And, and if you've got, if you're tapped into your nervous system, you're going to feel pain. You're going to feel pleasure. You're going to feel loss and sadness and great joy. And I postulate upon that idea of this now tech that's available to the masses how is that a differentiation point between this michael well that's loaded up that's a whole lot there to consume there i'm always throwing you big bones you really are i mean uh, how do i even explain any of this <laughs> well i'm asking your ideas so you don't you know you don't have to back any of this up <laughs> It's sure. just ideas. It's just like, where are you with chewing this kind of fodder? And that's all this show is about. This is the night mind. It's just, I, I don't even know where to begin, uh, to be completely honest with you. Well, so I guess that segues us into the idea of sim reality. As I was saying, you can get right now, you can get hooked up with uh, neural receiver VR experiences. And <clears throat> which is funny because... 20 years ago when my mother was still alive and there was a guy named David who worked for Lockheed Martin, who she was hoping I'd marry. And he had taken me into, this is in Atlanta. He had taken me into Lockheed Martin and was showing me 
uh, tech that they had then. He was quite high up. And there was full-on crazy VR experiences. So I remember he put me in this one setup, get up, and uh, I I couldn't even function. It blew my mind, seriously. I, I he, he hooked up these this like net to my head and then I got this whole set of like goggles and then my hands went into this stuff and then my feet you know and he he's basically said I have you which I think was a a means for him to fill me up (laughs) that's pretty (laughs) hard but hello he he did I did need him because I was I was falling about I couldn't get he had suited up too so he's in there with me and it was overwhelming i could smell the breeze i could see we were he made it cartoonish though so we were he was like uh we were cartoonish in a way but i could smell i was having a sensate of smell and uh, he pushed me inside he pushed me over and i felt like in my body outside wanted to do that too and so that's where he had me uh and stuff like that the experience was no different and the reason why this is over 20 years ago and the reason why this was provocative to me was because when I came out of it I couldn't differentiate between that experience and this experience things heard in there I smelled I'm sure I would taste he said you can taste and um and they were using that tech to train people for whatever Lockheed Martin was doing I have no idea I wish I would have paid more attention and I actually now wish I would have dated him I just what year was this by the way uh it was like oh god late 90s late 90s yeah yeah and so but my point here is because now that stuff's not a secret and one of the things why he said he ran this the cartoonish sim those weren't his words was so that i it was like he did that specifically because i guess they had other you know they had other landscapes and stuff for people training for whatever whatever purposes i was not paying attention i was young and not paying attention to him in those the sense i wish i'd have been more on board with that uh well that's life well but the thing the thing though michael is it was no different than this and that's my point here right right And, and so that's my point with you is how do we know because we we're constantly nailing this down as reality is there's it hurts we i have pain i can die you know all the sensate experience and yet I had that experience and now you can do that too at home. Even they sell a lot of this stuff now. So, but I think you surely can go into higher end um, tech places like say Midway in Chicago and have these experiences. So where, where are we? This is my, this is what I'm asking you in the end. When when we're grounding ourselves down so hard in this reality, is this really that? And when we want to talk about neuroscience and we want to talk about stimulation through the neurological pathways in the brain and the nervous system uh, and and through optics in our optical lobe and, and all this stuff that's going on really within the blackness of the brain and how functions on these systems of the body 
I don't know how anyone can have conviction that this state that we're in right now is real. Well, it goes through the whole simulation theory. Absolutely, but there's hard science backing it. Yeah, it's there's a lot to consume here with this conversation. And of course, uh, technology has come a long way. Uh, MIT, for instance, it's a good example. They've been doing all these sort of experiences for a long time. Devices yes. that read your mind, and of course, devices that you just hook up, and just with your thoughts, you can control certain uh, things. And of course, there's another uh, technology I am thinking of right now. I'm forgetting the name, but I think it's something like Y. Mm -hmm. Basically, you could see through walls using uh, Wi-Fi signals. Yes, yes. And see, I think they've had that tech out for a while. Very, very much so, yes, for, for a long, long time. And it is unusual, uh, no doubt. And, oh, Jerry, what happened there? Dropped, Jerry, are you all right? I, I dropped my ice bag. I'm good. <laughs> I know. I saw you're going to ice your, your foot there or leg. Are you okay, Jerry? Yeah, I'm fine. I uh, fell through my deck and bruised up my leg. It's gnarly. Yeah. yeah, it's gnarly. But um, that technology was, if, if you are a believer in, it's not, I don't think it's predictive programming, but what people call predictive programming, there was like uh, a similar technology displayed in, I think there was one in the Fringe for one, but mainly in the Black Knight or the Dark Knight Rises, one of the Batman movies where they did this echolocation with cell phones. So yeah, that idea has been out yes, there. Yes, yes, yeah. It's it's out. It's seated for us. It's it's there and it, it's accessible, and that's part of the that's part of the magic here. That's part of the sigil, is if you can get it seated into ideas. This is where artists and visionaries come in and and present it to the collective, and give it to them in a constructive way they can see it therefore if they can see it and visualize it they can create it and bring it further into a deepening idea of this reality whatever this may reality may be otherwise there's no no bridging there's no uh, synaptic stuff happening if there's you, you know you've got to you've got to create the bridge what's even weirder is that there are people who say they've had like a mutual out of body experience Mm -hmm. which is odd in itself. Right. Well, I find those, you know, uh, my mind goes back, of course, romantically to, to the old witches Sabbaths and where, whether, you know, where they're meeting out, out of body and but monks do this and uh, people who really focus in on the inner space. Uh, this is, this is, a practice that's been in the world. I've I've read about orders of nuns doing this, and uh, you know it's usually people that are having, for lack of a better word, hermet hermetic lives or hermited lives or or monastic lives where they're they're intentionally stepping away from the collective, the chatter, if you will, of the collective, and. Um, Therefore, these other realms are easier to access if you're not being bombarded with stimuli all the time, which is part of what I think some of this fuckery in our world is now, right? This overlay seems to be getting thicker. 
and now with like people like Elon Musk and his, you know, Skynet, whatever he's calling that. What is that thing called above us that's happening? Starlink. Starlink. Mr. Deacon, did we lose you? No, I'm here. <laughs> I was just thinking of the other thing he was um, uh, creating, the Neuralink. Yes. Right. And look at the link is in everything. It's actually called the BCI. The BCI. Okay, that's what it is. The brain computer interface. Right. But the, it it it's 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 commonly known though. You know, so it's got it's out in the public. It's commonly known. It's like with the hadron colliders. Everyone just thinks CERN, right? Well, there are right. several. CERN's the biggest. Yeah, there's a bunch of them out there. There's one here in Washington. I'm interested. I'm I'm really interested in seeing what happens with Elon Musk uh, going into the future here with the Neuralink, uh, the chip that would be implanted directly into the skull. I postulate that he's already done it. I believe so. If they're talking about doing it, that means they already did it. Mm -hmm, exactly. Isn't that, that's always part of the, that's part of that, that, uh, presenting it to others uh, hypothesis that I I was talking about earlier. So he's, no. it's well, but it questions this reality, Michael. Oh, of course, yes. Uh, eventually, they're going to want to do that, where they sort of download consciousness into um, a machine of sorts. I think it's already happened. I believe that AI hit its event horizon, and it's we're having causality loops in all directions. We'll have to talk to a Chinese person, though, for that. <laughs> Daily technology and AI, that's why. I, well, I know. I, there's part of me that's like, uh, you know, a lot of, oftentimes, I've, I've heard so many ET stories where a lot of people think, they describe some ETs that really sound very Chinese in origin. And then right. you hear about the, the great dragon families. And, you know, so there's a lot of woo around uh, Asian people. We love, woo, though. We, we love all the woo. We swim in the woo. I like to lather up in it. Like Chinese people named woo or? No, <laughs> Jerry, good one. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually heard someone say that the, the Asian race is a, uh... I'm not even going to say it out loud. Never mind. Never mind. Why not? <laughs> These times, this construct. <clears throat> yeah, I don't feel like being canceled tonight for this. But I heard <laughs> someone else say, no, I, I <clears throat> so if you can pull up to the idea that some people have uh, AI souls, if you will, Ooh. that that's what's going on with the Asians, that they, they have AI souls. Interesting. Well, I mean, uh, my co-host that brought up Christopher Columbus and I was thinking why are you asking me about Christopher Columbus for I mean you know he did quite well in his travels but it was actually the Chinese who discovered America could have been we nobody knows and it, right. even if they do know they're not going to tell us because it goes against the narrative quote unquote it seems like they might have I mean they have the oldest uh, marks out there yes out here in America if you look at some of the findings that Chinese explorers may have discovered America long before Europeans arrived here uh, did. It kind of fucks up the whole uh, out of Africa narrative, though, which... It kind of does. It yeah, does, yeah. So, I mean, it, right. it can't be there real. Are a few, yeah, there are a few disrupting uh, with evidence, with 
you know, archaeological evidence that disrupt the out of Africa narrative. And, and certainly uh, everyone's holding on to their stories. That's part of the problem with this reality is how, you know, this is all stories and we're all holding on to what, you know, most people are holding on to their stories. And that seems to be part of the fuckery with, and, you know, these indoctrination uh, programs, these cultish programs that we see through different organizations from schooling to, you know, different religious orders. I'm wondering, we are at that, that mark. This went really fast. Yeah, it's almost time to end this, right? I know. Don't get too excited, baby. Um, Jerry, do we have questions? Not yet. I guess nobody's got questions for the good deacon. Even better. <laughs> Michael. <laughs> yeah, the quicker I can go to uh, drink a, uh, a bottle of beer here, I'll be good. Oh, nice. What What are you drinking? I think I have some space dust uh, in the works here. Oh, Okay. Nice little IPA waiting for me. Mm-hmm. You're kind of an IPA guy. Don't, don't let us stop you from enjoying it, please. Well, especially no, here at the away. end. I know. I'm just too far away from the fridge. Oh, oh you're tethered. I'm thinking I need to buy like a mini fridge. <laughs> yes, and park it near your Just your put setup. it in my room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be a great idea. <laughs> you have no reason to leave your room. Exactly. <laughs> all right. So I've got no questions. So we can wrap. It's all good. Yeah. Well, I got questions for you guys again. Have you been enjoying the uh, quarantine? Uh, we'll start with you, uh, Jerry. Absolutely not. But it hasn't really changed it. my life. Right. It hasn't changed my life either. It Go ahead. definitely hasn't changed mine. Have I enjoyed it? Uh, because as an in- hasn't changed my life it i haven't derived anything from it but the idea of it is bothersome it's so like the idea that there's a power structure behind locking us up in our in you know that idea i don't like because i don't like the idea of being comforted period and like the chattel idea so but no. And, you know, as far as people around me, social distancing has been a way of my life. <laughs> Keep away from me. <laughs> yeah, I just see it all as a lot of programming for, you know, for a lot of nasty shit to come down the pike. I see. Mm-hmm. I see. Mm-hmm. And a- another question I have is, why did you choose this project? And has it turned out the way you wanted it to? Um, The why, as I've explained so many times, is that we wanted to do a podcast, but didn't want to have a regular podcast, quote unquote, a conspiracy podcast like everyone else who has the same guests on over and over to talk about their, their latest book or whatever. We wanted to talk to these people, but explore different angles with them. So Nish came up with the dream idea. And it all kind of came out of that. It was it was very organic. We just decided yeah. to do something and made it happen. And one of our goals was, as Jerry just said, that kind of more natural. We wanted conversations, and uh, and not be tied we, down to having just to discuss, yeah. you know, so and so's latest book 
or yeah. whatever. Yes. We wanted this intimate feel like we're hanging out and we like, these are our normal conversations in life. So this wasn't even a stretch for us. We're no. not like, how's your hair doing kind of people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that. No <laughs> small talk, no doubt. And for me, it's been, yeah. it's been a continuous uphill battle with the uh, same idiots who run these networks that we all know so well, those in premiere, those in the higher and lower levels. I've had uh, my run-ins with, with a lot of these uh, folks, but that's another hour or two of um, to fully explain those comments, but I could absolutely and systematically and uh, diametrically decipher all this for you, but I digress. And I, I agree with Jerry, you know, I must say, I, I really, you know, I like the show a lot. It's quite unique. I appreciate that you guys are doing this. And I agree with Jerry as well, that everyone has a podcast, everyone and their, their mothers has a show now. And uh, the reality is most will fold. Most will fold after a number of episodes. It takes a certain maniac <laughs> with a very unbelievable drive to make this work. And I've been able to accomplish a few things with my euphonious way of speaking and being completely, um, um, uh, perspiracious you like that word i do oh so, look you know, at I, you michael i've created a cult and this is especially difficult if you're not a celebrity or at least i've been on tv or terrestrial radio it's been a, a very um, difficult uphill battle but i've been able to do quite well for myself to be honest that's you great. have done the rounds on networks and <clears throat> so that's where you know, one of the things Jerry and I like to speak the way we want. So if we want, if there's an F-bomb, we want to let the F-bomb go. Let it fly. Fuck yeah. Yeah. We don't like, we're not into censorship and we're, we're definitely open source type of people. And so, which I guess makes us now very dangerous. <laughs> yes. Very. <laughs> I've heard that before, uh, echoed before. Yes. Again, it's, it's very difficult, especially when others want to derail you at every turn and i've experienced that time and time again again from those from the lowest of lows to the highest of highs you name it all the names that you know of uh, lots of them completely petty and that's how most human beings are extremely petty so never let that surprise you uh, out there boys and girls words of truth the amount of pettiness that humans uh, have well, that, you know, it's funny, though, because people that become that come into this space with us are, I mean, you know, by the the calm, the level of interaction we have is just at a different level. And so the pettiness is really something you just have to be such a hardcore hater to sit through. Otherwise, we're having good conversations with a lot of interesting people. And, uh, and as I've always said, I do not give a fuck about your titles. I just don't care. We're here to talk about you and your opinions and how you're moving through the, the, the world around you and how you're experiencing it. And it, it is truly about let's shed that, all that stuff at the, at the door. I don't want it. I don't care about it. I'm glad people feel invested in their accomplishments. It's awesome. And I don't want to belittle that also, but when we're coming into aspect like this, let's just, let's see where we can take it and get, you're not writing a paper. I don't need citations and 
you know, don't bog us down with all that. Let's just, let's get naked and have fun. I love that. But yes, I, I agree. I subscribe to that notion. The less censorship, the better. It's people like uh, those who are authentic, no doubt. All right. Well, yeah, I, that's an essential, Jerry. I just want to say thank you again, Michael, for coming on the show. It's been great to have you. And we hope to have you back on an obelisk sometime, which we can go yeah, into no problem. some of the weird non-dream stuff. Yeah, I could get into into that uh, further here. And I do want to thank both of you for giving me this opportunity uh, to run my mouth here with you guys. That's <laughs> great. And thanks, yeah. everyone, for listening. And be sure to tune in next week. We have an obelisk show with uh, Shane Bales, Shane the Ruiner. And we're going to go balls deep on some really interesting shit. So that should be a great show. I can't wait for that. So anything else? And guys? so I just want to thank you, Michael, because I know you don't do interviews. And uh, so I'm thrilled that you came over to this space and allowed us some some time with you i i feel you know it's it's definitely a big thank you and also for the people that don't know where do they find you well they can go to michaeldeacon.com or simply go to youtube and type in michael deacon and that includes itunes uh, stitcher and a cast box which i prefer you can simply go there and you'll find uh, myself there and my co-host at times who does the program with me, the one and only Mike Hideous. And uh, we do a pretty good job out there. We have fun and we are a open uh, platform for all to discuss their thoughts and ideas with uh, absolutely no censorship whatsoever. Rather, And we are not PC at all. That's awesome. I want to get Michael on our show. Will you ask him? I will ask him. Mike. Mike, okay. not Mike. You're okay, Mike. Yeah, got, He's got, also got. someone who doesn't like doing interviews like I do, like pulling teeth. You know, I don't really like doing interviews, but. Well, this, But this was an interview. And I sure, think sure. he'll enjoy the loungewear yeah, here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, for sure. What I mean by that is, um, you know, I, I prefer having this sort of discussion with you guys as well, which is why I, I agree to do it. But other shows, I, I've, I've actually turned down a bunch, <laughs> to be honest. I probably shouldn't have, though. Well, uh, I know you have. That's why I'm thanking you. So, all right, on that note. Right. I love right. it. Thank you so much, guys. We'll, we'll do it again, no doubt. Yeah, definitely. Thank all you, right. Michael. Thanks, guys. And we'll talk to you next week. Take care. Mahalo. Mahalo. Mahalo.